him. I want to invite you to a passage this morning. It comes out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. We're going to start reading in verse 37. And I don't know about y'all, but when you meet Jesus, you want to go with Jesus. Amen? You want to follow him. You want to go where he goes. I think about that demoniac over in Mark, chapter 5, who Jesus showed up and he delivered them demons out of him. And man, he was returned back to his sound mind. And immediately he told Jesus, man, I want to get in the boat and go with y'all. But you know what Jesus told him? He said, now you go back to your family and go back to your country and tell them about the good things that God has done for you. But I'm going to tell you what, anytime you meet and come into the presence of Jesus, it's natural to want to follow him. Amen. We shouldn't be having to be manipulated, coaxed, tricked to follow Jesus. Amen? And what about, I love about following Jesus, he don't make it sound better than it is. He just tells you like it is. Amen? And you see here a man who said something many of you probably have felt. I know I felt it in my spirit. Started in verse 57. We're going to read it, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to dig in. Jesus, it says in the Word, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road. That someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. You ever said that? Because I'm going to tell you, next to getting saved, the next best day in your spiritual life was when that happened to you in your heart. When you said, Lord, not only do I want you to save me, forgive me, but Lord, I want you to lead me. I want you to guide my life and have control and show me the way. Can I get an amen? Because that's the greatest thing on this side of heaven that you can get from God to walk in his presence, to let him lead your life. But friends, I'm going to tell you what, if there was ever a verse that you could understand what Jesus meant when he said, oh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, it's this one. Following Jesus ain't easy, is it? Anyone who's really tried it understands the difficulty of the kingdom life. That's what I want to talk about this morning. If it was easy to follow Jesus, everybody would be following him. But a lot of people aren't following him who think they are. And I want you to look here this morning with me. It says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to them, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then Jesus said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bear their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, this will be the main verse I want to preach when we get to where we need to be. He said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, we want to thank you that there's a kingdom to gain. Yes, there's a world to shun and there's sin to get away with and stay out of. But Lord, everything we give up here is worth it because of what we're going to gain there when we enter into your kingdom and your presence to live forever in that place called heaven. Lord, teach us things today that we need to know. Show us things that we need to understand. And let us leave here with a determined heart to follow hard after Jesus, and we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, when you look here, people said they were going to follow Jesus. Jesus immediately compared following him to the kingdom. He says, first, if you're going to follow me, he said, 
Don't go back home. Go preach the kingdom of God. And then he says that anyone who having taken hold of the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. He's talking and comparing following him, the king, with the kingdom life. You cannot have the kingdom life today activated and active in your life outside of following the king. And I want you to think about something we forget. But in the New Testament, you don't hear nearly as much about the church as you do the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the same thing, the kingdom of Christ. You see, the kingdom of God is the central theme of both the Old and the New Testaments. Have you ever took time to read through the Gospels and seen how much Jesus talked about the kingdom? And friends, we, take, we tend to forget sometimes that we're here to represent and to advance the agenda of God's heavenly kingdom here on earth. When Jesus was asked by his disciples, teach us how to pray, what did he say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God wants his kingdom displayed here on the earth through his people. And friends, just as the kingdom of God was central focus for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, today the kingdom remains the most significant theme and purpose of the New Testament church. I want you to think about this. The kingdom is central of both. There we go. Oh, this thing don't like me. From Genesis to Revelations, God rules silently over everything that he created as the king. The Bible says that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not a king. He's the king. And friends, today, if we're going to follow him, he's not here making suggestions. He doesn't just have opinions. He's king. He's Lord. He tells us where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. And then he gives us the grace and the ability to do it in his name when we do it for him and his kingdom. And friends, I want you to look at this with me this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ is the fullest revelation of God's divine role over his creation. The person of Jesus. When you look in the Bible and you read, why would you give up things to follow Christ when it's not that easy to do? What I like about Jesus when he said, Lord, I want to follow you wherever you go. Jesus then said, come and follow me, man. It'll be a once upon a time story. They'll live happily ever after. He said, you'll never be sick. You'll be rich. Now, ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. The foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the son of man, I don't even have a home. Think about what Jesus gave up for us. Jesus left the throne room of heaven to come to earth and replaced it with a manger. He took off the robes of glory and put on swaddling clothes. He gave up the right hand of the Father in the glorious place called heaven to be the stepson of a carpenter named Joseph. The Bible says that Jesus became poor so that we might become rich. And Jesus gave up what is perhaps the most important thing you could ever give up, when he gave up his perfect 
relationship, his communion with the Father through the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when he went to the cross and he took our sins and he took what we deserve to have and he said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And he died for us and gave his life. Friends, that's enough that should make us this morning want to follow Jesus. Amen? But guys, listen, it's more than trying to follow him because of what he's done. Do you know how much God can do that he hasn't done yet in the lives of a group of people who have a desire to be about him instead of themselves? That's about the kingdom instead of us. God is not pleased by churches filled with people with shallow, superficial relationships to him. God is not impressed with big budgets and buildings. God is impressed with people who wholeheartedly love him enough to follow his son, Jesus Christ, where he leads them and is allowing him to use them to carry forth his kingdom agenda, his purpose, what he desires. Friends, when a lot of people get together, that revival happens. Spiritual awakening begins to happen. And things get done that only God can do. American church today does a lot. When we collect money and we get crowds. But friends, I'm not talking about what crowds and money can do. You see, you can't get enough money. You can't get a big enough crowd to fix your broken marriage when you've messed it up. You can't get a big enough preacher with enough credentials and enough education to put your messed up family back together when the world has drawn you to the place where your family has become dysfunctional and you're saying, whoa, what can I do? You see, there's only one that I know that can lead you back into a place where God can bless you again, where God can pour out things into your life that only he can do, and his name is Jesus. And when you follow him, yes, it's difficult. I'm not going to lie. He didn't lie. Look at what he says. He says, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom. See, out of all the things God wants us to do here at Bethany Baptist Church, the main thing he wants us to do is to preach, proclaim the good news of the gospel of his kingdom. And you know, if we're honest, a lot of times that's the least thing we do as the church. Wherever we go, we should be telling people about the goodness of God, about how he saved us. We should be testifying. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, the Bible says. And friends, listen, Jesus, this thing I keep bumping it with my hand, Jesus, when he was here, he preached that God's kingdom was near, that it's at hand. The Bible says that after John the Baptist came, John the Baptist also preached and prepared us for the coming of the Lord's kingdom. Listen to this. At the Lord's birth, he was heralded as a coming king. And listen to what it says in the book of Luke. It's in chapter 1. I'll just read it to you right quick. But listen to what it said about Jesus at his birth. It told Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Israel forever and his kingdom will have no end. I got news for Mr. Putin. One day Russia ain't going to be here. 
And I got news for the Ukraine. It's sad. It's tragic what's happening over there. But there is a kingdom that will stand forever and you have permission to come. Jesus said, I stand today. Anyone who will come to me is welcome. But there ain't no way in but through him. And friends, not are we here just to get in the kingdom. Once we're in the kingdom, we're here to represent the kingdom. We're here to carry out the kingdom's plans and purposes here on the earth. What people need to see today is not more Fox News. They need to see a church filled with the spirit of the living God on fire with the gospel and speaking and preaching in Jesus' name that there's hope, that there's a place for you where you don't have to live wondering about tomorrow. And friends, listen. Today, God is looking for a church filled with a group of people who have a determined heart to follow Jesus, to let him have his will and his way with their life. I'm going to fix that because it'll trip me and y'all will laugh. But friends, not only was Jesus heralded a king at his birth, at his death, he was proclaimed a king. Y'all remember what Pilate asked him over in the Gospel of John when he was being tried he was fixing to be crucified Pilate went to him and Pilate said this listen Pilate entered the praetorium again called Jesus and said to him are you a king are you the king of the Jews and Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews but now my kingdom is not from here Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus said, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born. Friends, Jesus is more than just the Jesus you see in the Gospels. The sacrificial, humble Jesus that came to die for our sins. When Jesus rose from the grave and when he ascended in all his glory back to heaven, he sits now as king of everything. King of the universe. King of the church. King of the earth. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I do sometimes get to worrying about what seems to be out of my control. But I'm always reminded that what is in control. Nothing happens that Jesus is not over. Nothing can ever happen. He created the world. He sustains the world. He saved us. He redeemed us and purchased us. And he has promised to never leave us or forsake us, to take care of us. He said, seek first my kingdom. And my righteousness and all the things you need will be given unto thee. He said, it's the Father's good will, my little children, to give you the kingdom. And friends, listen, the kingdom is here today. You can experience what it means to be part of God's kingdom work. When Jesus were, he preached the kingdom is here, it's at hand. He was asked one day by some church folks called the Pharisees. Y'all heard of them? Religious people. And they said, Jesus, when is the kingdom of God coming? And Jesus answered to him and he said to him, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there it is. But in that time, in the time we're still in right now, the church age, Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus was saying to him, the kingdom's here because I'm the king. And wherever the king is, there's a kingdom. And friends, the other tra way they translate it is the kingdom is within you. Now I want you to think about, where is the kingdom today? See, the kingdom was inaugurated when Jesus showed up and he was incarnated and became flesh and dwelt among us. 
the king is here, but it's not finished. It's still to come. And friends, I want you to think about the kingdom today. The kingdom is represented in the followers of Jesus. He's our king. We're his servants. We follow him. And I don't know about y'all, but since I got born again, I can see the kingdom in this mess called world that we live in. The kingdom is the people who are under the allegiance and submitted to Jesus, who want to serve him, who want to live for him. I talked to that brother a while ago. I suspect and I know when I hang around him, God will confirm it that that boy there wants to serve God. He just used his gifts. He just got up here and he led us in worship. Amen. Friends, that's what we do. We serve. I look out here at y'all. I see people today who want to use their lives. So the kingdom of today is manifested in the rule and reign of, of God in the hearts and lives of his servants. But you've got to follow him. The church is filled with people who have nothing to do with Jesus. And when you look at them, their lives don't reflect a life that's following him. And their lives is not about the agenda of him and his kingdom. It's about us. Even churches are focused. You know, yeah, we need to build a parking lot, but that parking lot is not what God wants. That parking lot is a step, but he wants us to carry forth and advance his kingdom presence here on earth in Bethany Baptist right here. And now, guys, think about this. Submission and surrender is not now nor has it ever been a very popular concept. <laughs> Would you agree with me? But guys, I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He's never second. Never. Look in the Bible. If he's not your first love, your relationship with him is out of kilter. And friends, it's not about getting Jesus to do what we want him to do. It's Jesus and his grace growing us and maturing us and the love relationship we have with him influencing us to be willing to do what he wants to do with us. And that's when we'll see God do things that we can only imagine and things that he can only do. Listen, in this social media saturated, me, 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 crazy society, that right there is frowned upon, even in the church. But I want you to think about this. If you want to pursue God fully as his disciple and be involved in the kingdom agenda, you must make Jesus Christ Lord. That's the only way. That's what he told him. You want to follow me? You got to take hold of the plow. We're going to look at that in a minute. Listen to this. When we fully submit and align ourselves with God's kingdom agenda, there are blessings and benefits for obedient followers of Jesus that you can't get. I just come into church, hearing a sermon, amen in the preacher, and going home Sunday after Sunday with no life change, no true commitment to Christ, truly nothing more than giving enough to get what you think the church needs. It's wonderful that we're giving towards that parking lot. But that parking lot without Jesus is nothing but an obstacle. Friends, listen, with Jesus... Jesus, yes, will reach people through us. And yes, that parking lot could be made filled up. But it's not about us. It's not about a building. It's about his kingdom that we need to remind ourselves is why we're here. And this morning, I want to talk to us a little while about the difficulty of following Jesus. You see, to follow Jesus is the only way to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. And Lord knows we got too many churches that have big crowds with big budgets 
wonderful programs, but no supernatural life-changing presence of God in them. We go to church, we listen to the Word, we know all the Sunday school answers, we can talk the talk, but the majority of us do not walk the walk. And there's no power of God in the church. That's why we can't influence America, and that's why America is influencing us. The culture has got more sway over us than we have over the culture, if we're honest. Because, friends, listen, the only way to overcome is through Christ. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. That should be a day that you've never been the same ever since. And he should be changing you. And friends, I want you to look at this with me this morning. Aligning your life with God's kingdom agenda is not that hard. In fact, you trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's how you start. Quit trusting in money. Quit trusting in other things. Quit trusting in these relationships. And trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I don't care what mama told you. I don't care what mama said. Listen to what Jesus says. Your opinion don't matter if it don't line up with God. And friends, listen. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, not some ways, not just church, but all your ways, acknowledge Jesus, and then he will direct your path. And friends, that's easy to read, and it's wonderful to think about. But it's very difficult to do. It takes submission. It takes surrender. It takes sacrifice. And Jesus called people to follow him. And friends, when we follow Jesus, that's when our life is aligned and fit for the kingdom. I want you to think about this. How many of us have ever had your tires get out of line? You're going down the road and all of a sudden you hit a big bump. You hit something, a pothole. Sometimes you hit a spiritual pothole, amen? <laughs> Boom, something you wasn't expecting, and all of a sudden, it's pulling a little bit to the left. You're holding on, you think, well, I'm still getting where I'm going. It ain't that bad. It's pulling to the right. And you just ignore it. But then one day you look and you say, man, my tires is messed up. Man, they wore out. They're getting all wore. Friends, I want you to think about something. When your tires are out of alignment, at first it just kind of pulls a little bit. Pulls you off the trail, off the road of where you need to go. But eventually it'll begin to wear unevenly. And if you just let it wear long enough, it'll continue to wear to the point that it will eventually wear out your tires and ruin them. Some of us are out of line with God's rule this morning. And we need him to help us make an adjustment over our lives. Because this morning, I'm here to tell you, understand that until you bring your thoughts and your actions into proper alignment with God's authority, you are going to wear out and ruin your spiritual life's ability to participate in the kingdom agenda with Jesus. You know what's wrong with the church? We got good intentions, but our intentions aren't enough. Over and over and over, people say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to teach class. I'm going to serve in this place. And they start 
And they come with all kind of vigor and passion. And about a year later, I need help. Preacher, I quit. You cannot follow Jesus in the power of the flesh. And you'll never walk in the spirit when you're leaning on your understanding and not listening to him. You'll never walk in the power of God when you're not acknowledging him and surrendering to him and submitting to him and saying, Lord, here I am. Take me, send me, I'll go and let him. He'll direct your path. And friends, today we need to understand how to follow Jesus. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is it ain't easy. It's difficult. But there's no way for your life and your ministry and your being a spiritual parent or whatever God's given you responsibility to do that you can do it in the power of God. Living under God's kingdom rule means saying to God day by day, not my will, but thy will be done. What did Jesus do? Jesus understood what it was like to be tempted. He said, Lord, if there's any other way let this cup pass from me. If he could have saved us any other way, Jesus prayed. But finally he realized there was no other way. And he said, Father, not my way, but your way be done. Friends, listen, there's no other way to build a church that changes your community, that invades hell and robs him, the strong man Satan, from who he has got without the power of God in and on our life that comes from following Jesus truthfully. You see, you just got to say, God, I submit my desires to your desires, my dreams to your dreams, and I surrender my purposes and plans to your purpose and plan. That aligns you with the kingdom agenda. To follow Jesus is the only way that you can do that. Now, I want you to look at the text with me. I said all of this to get you to where I want to preach till we close. And I don't have my watch, so we might be in trouble, but I can see that clock up there. But anyway, I want you to look at this text with me. Jesus heard this man say, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. I ask people all the time, very few Baptists ever tell me they're not following Jesus because they know, oh, I ain't going to say that. I'd look unspiritual. (laughs) But friends, I want to ask you today, do you really let Jesus guide your life? Do you seek him and Trust him to show you what he wants you to do. You see, everybody here, he has a purpose, a plan. He has something he wants to give us the ability to do. And I'm going to tell you what. When God got hold of me and Diane's life, we were doing pretty good just saved, going to church, preaching a sermon every now and then, being a just fill-in preacher. I wasn't expecting to be no um, pastor. I was told by everybody that heard me preach, you don't preach like pastors, you're an evangelist. So I was like, man, I like that idea. I go preach a revival. I just preach and go. (laughs) Leave all that other stuff to that other pastor. But God said, no, very soon he gave me a church. We left Tennessee thinking that we was going to go right back up to Tennessee. I was going to go right back to the church that ordained me. I was going to be an evangelist, hang around there, and just do what I wanted to do in the name of Jesus. (laughs) But Jesus said, no, I want you to go to seminary. I told y'all my story. I had quit school. I got saved. I had done tried to go get my GED so many times. God said, go get you, put it on my heart. I went, got my GED, and I got it within six weeks because I had Jesus with me. I got my GED, and I'll never know if I ever told y'all this. At the end, you had to write a, a 
English, a, a language paper. It had to be three pages, and it had to be, now that you've graduated and got your GED, what is your plans? What do you want to do? So I wrote in there about how God had called me to preach, and now I was going to serve the Lord, and I wanted to go to seminary. And the little lady that read it, she said, that's so wonderful. It's a well-written paper. But she looked at me like, yeah, really? <laughs> but guys, you know what? I did go to seminary. But I had to leave a good job. That was all kinds of promises of a good future. I remember when we give up everything we had, everything we owned, that we had been there for 11 years. And we put everything that we had left in a trailer that was backed up to our house. And that night, the last night, we laid down on a mattress with a lamp. We went to our church. I had just enough money to get us down there, but I didn't have enough for the first semester. Back then, it was only 600 and some dollars, I can remember. And I died and said, what are we going to do? You don't have money for your first semester. I said, I got to have 600 more dollars from somewhere. We went to that little church that we was at that night. And they took up an offering, and it was Sunday night in a little Baptist church. I said, man, they should have done this, Lord. I'm thinking my way of understanding. They should have done this this morning when we had more people. They put all this money in a paper sack and handed me the sack, brother. It didn't have one check. It was all cash, and it wasn't much of it, over 10, 20s. We got home. We laid down on that mattress that night, remember, babe? And I'm like, Lord, we're leaving this. This is all, this is, they're coming to hook this in the morning and take us to New Orleans. I'm going to school. I hate school. And we laid there with that lamp and counted that money, and it was just 600 and some dollars. And I put it in my pocket, and he paid my first semester. And a boy hauled us down there, and he wouldn't take the money that I had saved to give him for gas. And we got out, and God began to show us what the king does when you join up with him and follow his agenda. And he gave me my first church. Lord, y'all think I don't know what I'm doing now. You should have seen me then. <laughs> All I knew was Jesus. I preached Jesus. I'd learned that seminary stuff, and I'd come teach it at church. I got through that church. He'd give me another church, and then he brought me here. We wasn't picking Shreveport, but he brought us here. You know what I found? Whether you're in Tennessee, that's where we always wanted to stay and go back. Whether you're back home in your hometown, and Jesus is right, it ain't easy pastoring a church in your hometown. Or whether you're in Mississippi in a little place, why not? Or whether you're in Bethlehem, if you're where Jesus wants you, doing what he wants you to do, and you're in tune with his purpose and plan for your life, and you are involved with the agenda of his kingdom, and you're serving the king, I'm going to tell you what, my friend. If you're bored following Jesus, you need to listen to what I'm talking about this morning. Because it's exciting, it's satisfying, it's fulfilling. But let me tell you something. It's the hardest thing you'll ever love to do. Does that make sense to you? It's the difficult. But guys, you know what I've learned? The best things in life come with a price. This mindset that we see America has swallowed hook, line, and sinker, that you can get it all just given to you, the only thing that's free is salvation. But what you do with that salvation is up to you and what you do with Jesus. He saved you by grace, but you've got to take advantage of what grace offers and initiates. You know, when I look at this, the Bible says right here that this guy said, I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Jesus immediately said to him, he said, but let me go and bury my dead father. 
You know, I was studying and looking, and I always thought that, man, Jesus is cold-hearted. How could he tell you not to go to your father's funeral? But you know, the more I studied this, and I got a lot of this from my Tony Evans study Bible, and I found it in other places, the traditions we don't understand, but back in those days, it was your responsibility to take care of your parents till they die. And it was your responsibility. You didn't put them in nursing homes. And you, today, parents take care of the kids till they die. Then I don't know what happens to the kids after that. We ain't found out yet, but some of them's coming for a rude awakening. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But this guy was taking care of his father. But he wasn't asking to go to a funeral, probably. This is what I found from my studies. He was referring to the future death of his dad. See, he wanted to wait and make sure he received his full inheritance. <laughs> and that was normal. You, you, you kept care of your parents, and then when they died, you would get your inheritance. See, then he, he would, his circumstances would be better. He would probably feel more financially secure. He would be better ready, he thought, to go with Jesus. But that ain't what Jesus said, is it? Jesus, Jesus challenged him. Jesus said, let the dead bear their own dead. In other words, what Jesus must have been telling him was, so let those who are spiritually dead worry about such things as burying your father. I don't think God is against us going to our parents' funeral, but he is against us trusting in an inheritance over him. Trusting in things behind us instead of for what he has planned before us. You see, if you're looking back where you came from, I could be looking back. Man, I could have been working with the lawyers. You know, we just went up there and visited with them, and they accomplished their dream. They built a multi-million dollar system of um, barbecue stores and had a big plant. They just sold it. They retired. They're millionaires. And I was thinking, that could have been us. But you know what? That ain't God's plan. You can't look back. You've got to stay looking forward. And I want you to look at what Jesus compared. Out of all the things he could have picked to compare the kingdom wit. He picked plowing. Plowing. He said, anyone having taken hold of the plow and then having a second thought and looking back and see, when you're plowing to do it right, you got to pay attention. You got to be focused. You got to keep your eye on what you're doing. But I don't know about y'all. I never plowed, but I watched it done when I got to Mississippi. Thank God for tractors. Friends, listen, plowing takes effort. Plowing takes endurance. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it's going to take effort. It's going to take endurance. And every time something seems hard, you can't look back. You know what I find? Brother, I bet you, you know what I'm talking about. There's seasons with God. When you serve the Lord, he says, not let your, he said, don't let your heart be discouraged. He says, but continue to do good. If you continue to do good and you don't let your heart become, in due season you will reap. But friends, everybody here wants a harvest. Wasn't it wonderful when them 19 people got baptized the other day? But guys, you can't just come to church, sit in the pew and go home. Somebody had been plowing. Before you can plant a seed, you've got to plow the ground. The worst part of gardening ain't picking the crop. That's what everybody wants to do. Whoo, look at all them good maters. But the hard part is turning the ground, plowing. Friends, listen. 
A church that won't plow is eventually going to be a church that never harvests. And friends, as we plow, not only do we plow, but he said also, preach the gospel. Preach the, he told him, you go let your daddy bury the dead, but you go preach the kingdom of God. What is that? Planting. Every time we share the gospel, we plant a seed. Every time we tell someone about Christ and give our testimony, we plant into that person's life. And friends, what do we do? We plow also. How do you plow into people's life? You minister to them. You love on them. You meet their needs. That's what Jesus did. He helped people physically so that he could help them spiritually. And friends, a church that's not willing to plow who isn't willing to plant, what did Paul say? He said, man, who was Apollos? Who was Paul? But ministers who labored for you. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Friends, God has to save, but we have to go to work in the harvest. We have to go to work and lurk. Jesus was the ultimate soul winner. Look at what he does right here. Why would you do that? Why would you plow? Why would you do the things that it takes? Friends, I don't know about y'all, but you know why we were able to baptize all them kids? Miss Amber's here somewhere. Where's Miss Amber? Miss Amber was there. Her little boy was getting baptized because he'd gotten saved, and then she walked off. She got saved, and now she's here today. She was in Sunday school. Ain't, ain't that awesome? But, guys, somebody drove a bus every Wednesday for a long, long time. You ever been here on Wednesday trying to get people on a bus to go pick up 15 screaming kids? You'll be walking for a mule to get strapped to, amen? Plowing. But then we got teachers that committed to teach Wednesday night church to kids, and they go in a classroom. I'm going to tell you what, one night in a classroom with those kids, and I'd be hunting my pistol. I'd be going to see Jesus, amen? That's not my gift. That's not what God's given me the ability to endure. But thank God for those people that do do it. Wednesday, Sunday morning, we got people in TED Church this morning that never get to come in here, that give up this. They sacrifice being in here to be in there to invest and plant and water kids' lives, plow, minister, prepare them so that when God gets them ready, he'll give them increase. Can I get an amen? If you ain't willing to plow, I don't care what America tells you, your check ain't coming from God. Friends, if you ain't willing to plant... If you ain't willing to water and cultivate and do the work that God's called us to do and show a dying nation and people that this is what it looks like when Jesus is in your life. But friends, listen, you do that, you're going to stir up the devil, the earth, the world, system, the flesh. But guys, I'm telling you what, it is difficult. But why do we do it? Because there's a kingdom, a kingdom to gain. You ever looked and seen how Jesus described the kingdom? He said, what can I how can I liken the kingdom of God to? What can I describe it with? He said, it's like a merchant who was seeking for a one pearl of great price. And he spent his whole life looking for that unbelievable pearl. And then he found it. And you know what he says he did? He gave up everything he had to purchase that pearl of great price. He said, that's what the kingdom's like. He said, it's like a man who was seeking for treasure. And then he finally found some. So he sold everything he got had to buy that field so that he could have the treasure. That's what the kingdom is like. Friends, you don't have to wait to go to heaven. You can be part of the kingdom. I don't know about y'all, but as a pastor, watching 19 people get baptized, seeing some of them come back, seeing that little girl right there, seeing y'all excited, 
putting money into the advancement and the agenda of the kingdom, and there's no way to explain it, but that God's got to be doing it through us. That's the kingdom. Do you see it? Do you want it? But friends, listen, it's not easy. You see, to get in the kingdom today, a lot of people got saved and they just sitting there. But friends, listen, Jesus said this, and we're going to close. He said to get into the kingdom, he said it's a lot like plowing. It's difficult. It takes effort. Listen to what he said here, boy. This will blow your mind. Jesus said the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. That's the Old Testament. We had the Old Testament. And the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. But since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. John the Baptist came, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came, said, repeat for the kingdom of God is here, at hand, it's near. And friends, the kingdom of God has been preached. But look at what Jesus said. And everyone is pressing into it. Now he's not talking about going to heaven, salvation. He's talking about the kingdom of God's being preached. In the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, you sing the kingdom manifested on earth. Where? Through the temple, through the priesthood, through the sacrificial system. And God showed up. He was in the, in the Shekinah glory. He was in the Holy of Holies. And God did things through his people as he progressed and he proclaimed and he moved his kingdom agenda. Friends, in the church today, you can have the kingdom now. You can see God's work. um, Matthew says it this way. He says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What's that mean? No church is going to see the kingdom agenda accomplished here, sitting around, taking the wide road, the easy road. You got to take the narrow road, the difficult road, the road Jesus leads. And friends, I'm going to tell you what, pressing into it. It speaks of Paul. Do y'all remember what Paul said? How many of you want to accomplish? How many of you want to see the upward call of God in your life, the the prize? Well, listen to what Paul said. It's speaking of the same thing in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through verse 14. Look what Paul said. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you thinks next to Jesus, Paul could possibly be the greatest Christian ever in the New Testament. He's super Christian. I, I, I look at Paul and I say, man, I want to be Paul. But I look at Peter and I say, dang, that's what I'm more like. <laughs> but friends, all of them gave their life for the king. Only one got to live and die of a natural age, John, and he was put on a prison colony. And so while he was in prison, God led him to write the book of Revelations. They never rested. But friends, let me get back to what I'm talking about. Paul didn't accomplish what Paul accomplished by being in an easy life. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I press on that I may lay hold, lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as to having apprehended it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, I forget those things over that or behind me. If you got a hold of the plow, quit looking back. Look forward to where God's leading us. And listen to this. Reaching forward, reaching forward. He's using terminology here of a racer, 
a person running a marathon. Friends, he's pressing on. He's running with everything he's got. He sees the prize of the upward call of God, the goal line. And as he's running toward the end of that race, he's not looking back to see where everybody else is at. He's looking between him and the goal, and he's reaching forward. You ever seen a runner when he's running, when he gets close? He, gets his, he wants to be first. He's reaching effort. That's what he's using. That's the terminology. Pressing on, reaching forward, not looking back. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord, my King. Friends, if we're going to make a difference here that people look at and say, there ain't no way that preacher and that bunch done it. God done it. We got to do that. We press forward. Every time we give, every time we sacrifice, we're moving towards what God wants us to do. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I look here and I see the potential and see what God's given us the opportunity to do. And I'm overwhelmed with the potential and what God has placed here for us. Friends, we have got to go now and just believe and proclaim Jesus to everybody. Let him use you. And guys, we will see a church that is making a difference, that is seeing the presence of God. I don't know about y'all, but I thank God. I was talking to a lady this week, and we was talking about church and when you get saved and you know, how I ended up in a Baptist church because I didn't grow up Baptist. I grew up Catholic. Imagine that. How do you go from Catholic to Baptist? All I can tell you is God saved me through a Baptist church. Now, the Baptist church didn't save me, but I thank God for a church that when I went to it, it wasn't dead. It was full of stuff that I had never seen. There was people getting saved on a regular basis. Remember, Diane? They get saved on a Wednesday night. They had people that went out on Wednesday night. They ate a meal. They didn't come eat a meal and didn't go to kids' church. Some of them made a meal, and they went to visitation. If anybody visited that week, they had a guy there. They gave them a card. Listen, people would get saved on visitation Wednesday after the meal. They'd bring them back to church. They'd walk the aisle and get saved, and they'd give them a microphone, and they'd start testifying. Man, I've been on drugs. I've been on this. My marriage is separated from my wife. That's where she got saved. That's where God took me. Friends, I want to tell y'all, the day I walked in there finally to church, I went to church, I've told you to get my wife back. But guess what? I didn't get church. I got what she got. I got Jesus. Friends, listen, Jesus was working. That church, when we went there, Brother Dusty took it. My pastor had 38 people there, 38 charter members. The Lawler brothers that we talk about that brought her to church, our boss who was a Christian who God used in our life, he was a charter member. When I got there and Diane had gotten baptized, they were running about 500. They had built their second sanctuary. Since then, you know what they did? They've built another sanctuary that sits 1,600. They run two services still in it. They lead the state of Alabama when Brother Dusty was the pastor. Over 100 people a year they baptized. Friends, listen, it can happen, amen? And, and God does it when we sell out. But I've never met anybody like Brother Dusty that is not kingdom-minded. That is focused. Friends, today, this is the key to church and being used by God, following Jesus, letting Jesus lead our lives. This morning, if you don't have a church home, I want to invite you to consider to pray. Say, God, I want to be a part of a church that has a vision that wants to make a difference. 
to bring forth the kingdom agenda. Today, if you're not saved, friends, you'll never, ever see your life change till you come to Christ. This morning, Jesus died for you. And he has risen from the dead, and now he lives for you. And he can come and help you today. Don't listen to that you can't change. I don't understand how God can use us, but I know he can. We're fixing to have an invitation. This is your invitation if you need to be saved. It's your invitation if you're not where God needs you. Today, if you will let God align you with his agenda, maybe he wants you to drive a bus on Wednesday. Maybe he might want you to surrender to ministry. Maybe he might want you to keep nursery. We're looking for a new nursery coordinator right now. He might want to use you in that capacity. But I want to tell you what, God didn't save you to leave you sitting in a pew to listen to me and go home every Sunday. He saved us to get involved with Jesus and his kingdom work. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you just to respond to what God has put on your heart to do. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the call of God for salvation. That right now, Lord, as the gospel goes forth, that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He suffered, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again according to the scriptures. And he lives today to save anyone who will trust him and admit they're a sinner. Lord, I pray today for that person to come and be saved. And Lord, there's so many of us who are saved who are on the outside looking in. Lord, help us to let you adjust us today to realign our lives with you and to walk with Christ. Lord, help us to take hold of the plow and never look back again to keep our eyes looking toward the upward call of God that is in Christ Jesus, just like Paul, pressing on, reaching forward. Lord, touch our lives today and move in our midst. Help us to honor you and give you back the lives that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you need to come, come now while he's calling.